Sway and today we're with Laura. She's a writer, speaker and a mental health advocate. Let's dive straight into it. How are you doing today, Laura? I'm doing well. Thank you so much, Sway. No problem at all. Tell me, how has the pandemic been going on for you? How are you doing on your side of uh, your side of things? Yeah, well, I'm in Washington, D.C., so it's been, you know, it's been a scary time, but I'm hoping that positive changes will come out of the pandemic and people will take better care of themselves and, you know, be more motivated to just live fully each day, you know? So for me, it's been maintaining a positive attitude, but at the same time dealing with all the emotions that are coming up, whether they're good or bad. <laughs> yeah, no, no, absolutely. I, th- I, don't, I don't think there is any better way to say that at this point in time, there is nothing else that matters other than taking care of ourselves and just being truly in the moment. Um, on that note, Laura, tell us what is your story in regards to mental health? How did you, how did you get into this? What is, what is that link that connects you with this community? Well, I was diagnosed with anorexia at 14 and I struggled with mental illness before that, but it was kind of like under the radar and I had really bad anxiety. And I guess you could say I tried to talk about it. I didn't know how to really accurately express my feelings or label my emotions that well. However, um, I don't feel that anorexia was the most accurate diagnosis. I had lots of labels before that too, like OCD at 12 years old, but that was kind of, again, it wasn't really addressed. And along with anorexia, I was diagnosed with anxiety and depression. So that took a big blow to my ego, you know, to get these diagnoses. And then when I was 25, you know, I never really recovered from the anorexia. My mental health worsened. I went through bouts of psychosis. Um, So I almost lost everything, you know, and I'm just really grateful that my family stood by me and I have a few friends, but without my support system, I wouldn't be anywhere. And that's why I like to get back today because I like to be a support for other people who struggle with these mental health issues and uh, are suffering from shame or embarrassment and guilt and all of those, you know, challenging things. No, absolutely. I, I, First of all, thank you so much for sharing that with me. I feel so much for you because I myself have a huge history, a huge history with mental health myself. Uh, I'm a trauma survivor and I have anxiety and depression. So I completely get where you're coming from. And it's so amazing that you're giving back to the community in your own way. Now, in regards to that, what are you doing right now that's sort of, you know, concretely giving back to the community? I'm an alumni ambassador for American University. So I welcome, yesterday I welcome new students on a webinar. And um, earlier in June, I got the chance to talk about mental health and self-care for incoming graduate students or prospective students. And then um, in the fall, I'll again take my motivation on helping students stay mentally fit by giving a presentation in a stress reduction course on self-care. So I'm looking forward to sharing some of my presentation on the podcast, actually. And yeah, yeah. So um, I guess there's sort of three components to self-care that I see, which is um, awaken your body, look your best, and balance your lifestyle. So I kind of 
break these things down and talk about the different um, the different ways you can awaken your body, balance your lifestyle, and look your best. And I've taken my what happened in my own life as my motivation for you know, self-care. And so I take directly from my own self-taught lessons and I have a background in yoga and personal training. And that was kind of a former life, but I still, you know, take my experiences in those real life things and bring it to the table. That's amazing. So everything that you're doing is sort of based off directly from your lived experience. That's amazing. That's, that's, that's brilliant. Now, on the topic of self-care, one of the things I think our listeners really want to know is that what what can we do right now? You've you've sort of underlined the three important things that you're you're anyway doing in your presentation. But during social distancing, during a time like this, when the pandemic is so new to so many people, especially the youth, what are the things that people can do? Like, for example, there are so many people that I'm, I'm like, you should take care of yourself. Self-care matters. At this point, if you don't do that, you're just going to start going off a path that you're not going to like. But it's so hard for them to accept and, you know, sort of come around the idea that self-care is an important thing. So how would you sort of breach that and tell them what are the main component things that they can actually do without feeling weeded out or freaked out about it? Well, I guess I start with awaken your body and that can be like as short as like 15 minutes, but I would try to give it like 15 whole minutes of your time because I feel like, I mean, if you only have five minutes, give it five minutes. But I think that if you can set the intention of, you know, doing a little hand arm massage with some nice lotion and taking in the scents or like doing some um, foam rolling, which is like another form of self massage with, with, um, they're pretty well known today. And, you know, that it's not as relaxing as a massage, but it builds your mind body awareness. And it's helped build my self confidence and strength without feeling like I'm torturing myself because as someone who suffered from an eating disorder, it's kind of like, you have to find the right thing, you know, it can be hard to find a form of exercise that works for you. So also spending time in nature, I think that can help with your, um, awakening your senses and I'm a sensory person. So um, anything with like touch is, is healing and therapeutic to me. I think nourishment is always important and I never like to give like diet advice, but I just say sort of like, listen to your body and it should be a pleasurable experience. So all of these little things add up into, into an inner dialogue that says, I care about myself. So what about those people who don't really have the commodity? For example, I'm sure you're aware that there are many people who don't really have the privilege of actually listening to their body because there's just so much going on. They don't really know what their body needs. That's one. Mm -hmm. So they can't really focus on nourishment as such. Second, there are not many people, for example, myself, I, I don't live, I live in Dubai. It's surrounded by buildings. It's all sand. I don't like sand. I grew up on the countryside. So I don't have nature to sort of calm me down and sort of like bring me, you know, and keep me grounded. So what do we do for those people? What are your tips for those people? I think if music is possible, you know, because I live in the city too. And I mm -hmm. think that my music just connects me, my mind and my heart. Mm -hmm. And you can, you know, I like to listen to the same song over and over again, but everybody has unique preferences no, <laughs> when it comes I feel to you. music, <laughs> you know, and just like, 
um, you know, you're right. I am really lucky, but I think just taking care of your personal hygiene, like brushing mm. your teeth and, and that type of thing is really important to like not give up and getting dressed in the morning just to show yourself that like make that intention as I was kind of saying earlier. And I guess that, um, that's kind of my advice, just taking it moment by moment and, and having self-respect and reaching out for support when you need it, like talking to your friends or doing a Zoom call with a friend or a FaceTime. Um, that's another form of self-care of having open communication too. Okay, so now we've talked about self-care and the importance of it. There are sometimes many people that I've come across myself because um, I'm a psychologist myself and a therapist. So I've come across these people who sort of take self-care and they take it to this whole another level where it sort of becomes like an obsession if you if mm -hmm. you get what I mean like mm -hmm. there are these simple things that I would do every day to sort of unwind and relax myself but there are people who kind of do it too much so how do we know where is that boundary where it becomes from self-care to this obsession where you're no longer taking you're just self-sabotaging doing something that's too much on a repetitive where is that boundary and how do we recognize that i think when you're not trying to translate your self-care into something greater that you can give back to the world or your community that's when it can become self-destructive because mm -hmm. i was like that also i was like you know i had the best organic skincare and i was mm -hmm. doing all of these uh detoxification rituals um so I used it as a tool to hurt myself and that's when I started like hearing voices and stuff. So it can become very destructive if you're not yeah. open-minded and you're not sharing with the community and trying to translate into words or song mm -hmm. or music or, or a healthy form of self-expression, you know, cause you take your self-care and the goal is to give back. And that's, yeah. um, that's when I think you need to that's keep making boundary. a healthy balance. Yeah. yeah. Boundary. So that, that makes sense. So it's, it's a sort of like a yin-yang, like you do the amount that you need to, but you sort of also have to keep yourself in check when you're doing those things to make sure that there's a healthy balance. Great insight, Laura. Now I want to move on to how is the future of mental health going to look like now that we're in this pandemic, we're social distancing, we have faced so many different forms of losses and it's just taking such a huge toll on our mental health. What is the future going to look like post-COVID if there is going to be a post-COVID anytime <laughs> soon? So yeah. give us a little insight on that. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think, you know, during the pandemic, we've all had to adjust and hopefully for people who have a therapist or a psychiatrist or a coach or someone they're talking to, they've been able to switch to telehealth or telemedicine. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is going to be the future. I think people are going to feel safest um, in their homes and it might not replace regular therapy or actually seeing your therapist or psychiatrist in person. You know, it might not be exactly the same thing, but I think there are certain benefits because like I'll take my own life, for example, like, I don't, I can't ride the metro now, but it, it costs money. It takes time to ride the metro to get to my therapist, to get to my psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. So I kind of feel like post COVID people may want to say, Hey, you know what? Hopefully the telemedicine has been working for me mm -hmm. and it's actually been, you know, more convenient, more productive, um, so that's what I'm hoping people will see, that they will see the plus side of it. Mm -hmm. You know, there is, of course, the downside that we all like real 
human interaction. Yeah. I also think that mental health will just become more important in general. Yeah. Like, I think people are realizing that that is part of the pandemic and people need to stay mentally healthy and people who thought, oh, you know, mental health is never going to impact me. I have my regular life. I have my job. I have all this great stuff. Well, a lot of that stuff was taken away from Mm -hmm. healthy individuals. So I think everybody is beginning to recognize, or at least more people, um, that mental health is a priority. So we'll see what, what happens and what takes shape. I think that at least from someone who is involved in a, in a university, I see them taking it more, more seriously and, Mm -hmm. you know, respecting students needs and trying to you know be as accommodating right yeah that that makes sense that makes so much sense now here's the thing that I'm thinking when when you were speaking there's this one thing that actually came in my head at a time like this where there are so many plus points and so many negative points and they're all in balance if we actually look at it but there are people who are facing losses that are so much more than this on a mental state. For example, yes, telemedicine works and there are so many positive impacts that it will bring for the mental health community. But there are people who were introverts. I'm a huge extrovert, so a huge loss for me is the social distancing. I wanted to go out, I want to do all these things, but there are people who just like staying at home. And I think that their version of reality, which is the comfort zone of their home, is becoming too comfortable that after you know post covid when everybody's beginning to go back i think there's going to be this sort of negative environment for them now as someone who's an extrovert and if i know someone like that what is the best thing that i can do for them Mm, that's a really nice um good thing to think about because i consider myself an introvert Mm -hmm. um So I would sort of think that, you know, inviting someone to go out for a walk, if that's possible, because that's like a safe space where you can continue social distancing. Because Mm. for me, I know I'm a little concerned about, you know, everybody is concerned about getting the virus, but I'm particularly cautious. Um, So I think something outdoors, something, um, and, you know, even if it starts by having them in the comfort of their own home, as long as you're communicating with them, that's a start. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Yeah. So, so basically, if if I were to, for example, you, I would just be like, okay, you know what? Let me come over. And what if you say no because you're so comfortable being by yourself at this point because you've not had that interaction? How how do I breach to you? And I go like, okay, these are the ideas that I have. I think it's healthy for you and me to be having this. But what if you don't accept it? How, how do I communicate then? How do I breach that aspect? Well, I think you would have to be honest. I mean, say I'm concerned about you mm-hmm. <laughs> because there is really, that is the truth. You know, that's what it sounds like is happening right now. And I think that, you know, sometimes even for me, like anxiety can happen when I'm talking on the phone and it can be easier to receive a text message. So people can be very sensitive to the mode of communication or to the method of communication. Yeah. So I think, you know, try a variety of different ways to get through and, uh, you know, be vulnerable yourself and say, I know this is really challenging and it's been hard for me too, but 
I think it would be good for us to get together or for you to get out or, you know, you know what I'm saying? Do something. Yeah, no, absolutely. Because, you know, I've got this thing. I'm an extrovert, but I hate texting people. I hate responding. (laughs) I hate it so much. It gives me so much anxiety, Laura. Every time I get a text, I'm just like, I don't want to respond. And I'm, I'm, I'm so much better when I get to actually speak to someone because I just don't know like uh, their emotions when I'm reading those texts I'm like I, I don't know what you're feeling are you really feeling and I'm an overthinker so I keep thinking like is is this how they actually feel and I keep thinking this over and over again so you're absolutely right that you just need to keep trying no matter who it is an extrovert introvert you just need to keep trying and figure out the best possible way to get through this together because we're all in this together now I right. want to move from this to on a day-to-day basis because of all the losses that we're facing due to the pandemic what are some of the coping skills that our listeners can pick up if you can give some insight about that yeah well I think there's like sort of internal support that you can offer yourself and then reaching out for external support Mm -hmm. So it's a balance between those two things. And, you know, the first coping skill, I think, starts from within. So that's why I kind of recommend, you know, living mindfully in your lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And I know that we discussed that, but also like, you know, breathing and meditation, even if it's like with music, it doesn't have to be like conventional, you know, meditation, Mm -hmm. whatever that means. It can mean different things to different things to different people. Yeah. Um, But that's something that you can do as a coping skill to just tune in to your thoughts and be present. Mm -hmm. And I know that, you know, like, if I took all my thoughts seriously, I wouldn't be in a good place. But sometimes it takes time to process things, you know, so give yourself a chance. It's not like, you know, one thought may be leading somewhere good, even if it doesn't seem like, oh, well, that's a bad thought. (laughs) Yeah. You know, so another coping It's a journey. It's a process. Yeah. Another coping skill, I think, is consistent communication, especially for introverts, you know, Mm -hmm. for extroverts, they may be good at it already. But for me, it's like, you know, I kind of feel like, oh, no, am I bothering my mom when I text her? Am I bothering my dad or my sister or my friend? But it's important to ask that then, you know what I mean? Am I am I bothering you? And generally, they'll say, no, you're not you're not bothering me. But I think also being respectful of others is an important coping skill, because then when you need help, they'll be there and they'll remember the time. And it was like, oh, Laura was there for me. So now I should be there for her too. So Mm -hmm. valuing your friends, uh, staying grounded is so important. That's a Mm -hmm. key coping skill um, for me. And again, um, part of that is about going out and, and embracing your community. That's part of staying grounded. It's not about being alone all the time. That just comes full circle with everything that we've been talking about. But I was thinking about what are some of the coping skills in a more, you know, for example, writing, journaling. Do you do journaling? Because you're a writer, right? Yeah. Um, um, yeah. I, I write as well. I've, I'm actually an author. So I began with writing to myself, writing about my journey, writing about my feelings, writing about almost everything. So mm-hmm. how can people incorporate that? There are so many listeners that, interested in this but they don't really know where to start and there's just so much self-doubt so from a writer's perspective where would they start to incorporate this as sort of like a coping skill on a day-to-day I definitely think there's no substitute for writing things down you know and it doesn't have to be 
um, old school, you can use your computer or you can get a journal. Mm -hmm. I personally like the computer because I can save my work and edit it and come back to it. Mm -hmm. um, but I Same. am frequently deleting things. <laughs> I am frequently deleting things, but that doesn't mean it was worthless. You know, sometimes that's what you need to clear your head and move on. Yeah. And, and for me personally, like my dad is my writing coach. So if you can always find someone to keep, hold you accountable, whether it's a friend or a family member or someone you feel comfortable sharing your work with, otherwise mm -hmm. it can still stay bottled up inside, even though it feels like it's on paper. Um, so it's that bottled up emotions. Right, yeah. We don't want to keep our emotions um, just to bottled up. Yeah. Right. That makes sense. Now, on this note, um, with everything that we've talked about, what is the one thing that you want people to sort of take away from this conversation? Um, you know, be authentic, be who you are. And, you know, part of being authentic, it's multidimensional, it's not linear, it's valuing yourself, it's valuing others, it's giving back to the environment, it's, you know, recognizing your fears where they are, and that they're valid, and we're going through a very difficult time, but this too shall pass. <laughs> you know, this too shall pass. Thank you so much, Laura, for your insights, for your positive vibrations and all that positive talk has just, I'm pretty sure the listeners are going to also feel the same way, but it's just so grounding. It's just been such a pleasure talking to you. Now, do let us know, where can our listeners find you? Okay. Um, my website has all of my articles on it and, and podcasts, and this will be definitely added on there. So I'm excited about that. It's Laura. S. Yokelson, L-A-U-R-A-S-Y-O-C-H-E-L-S-O-N dot WordPress dot com. So that kind of has everything on there. And then I'm also on LinkedIn. Um, Laura Suzanne, yeah, is my um, LinkedIn profile. Perfect. So thank you again, Laura. Thank you so much for joining me on as a guest. It was an absolute pleasure talking to you. Do have the most beautiful day ahead and the rest of the day, rest of the week, rest of the year. And I do hope that we can all come out of this stronger together. Thank you so much. This is awesome.